Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Exciting update. I have a brand new free resource. You all asked for it, so I created it. This is a relationship attachment quiz designed to help you understand your patterns in relationships. You can take this totally free quiz now by going to the link in my Instagram bio at Dr. Morgan Coaching and click attachment quiz. And you all know I love to hear from you. So either screenshot and tag me with your result or send me a DM letting me know your result from the quiz. You guys, this is totally free and this will be helpful to you. So go check it out. Can't wait for you to take the quiz and to share your results. All right. Well, I am so excited to introduce my next guest who is returning to the show is Dr. Morgan. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Of course. Yes. And I didn't really give you like an introduction, but um, if you want to talk a little bit about yourself, yourself for maybe some listeners who didn't listen to episode 15, um, which you were on and we talked about attachment theory, but just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a clinical psychologist and relationship coach, and I'm fascinated by attachment theory. Um, and also I love studying self-worth and how we can improve our self-worth and basically taking those things and applying them to relationships and helping women specifically raise their self-worth, use attachment theory, and then have great relationships. And Mm -hmm. then as you know, you were part of the program. That's the program I've developed, the Empowered, Secure, and Loved Relationship Coaching Program. I'm so passionate about that and getting to serve women, have mm-hmm. help them have the relationships that they deserve. So yes. And yeah. you have a podcast too. Let's I get do. Vulnerable. Let's get vulnerable. Let's get vulnerable. And I'm on Instagram, as you know, at Dr. Yes. Morgan Coaching. So yeah. yeah. And I'll we'll plug you at the end too and get cool. all of your stuff out there. But Love yeah, it. I mean, I, I reached out to you on Instagram. I just found your page. I don't remember. I think you popped up as someone I may want to follow and cool. <clears throat> and, um, and then I DM'd you and I was like, Hey, listen, I've been dying to get someone on the show to talk about attachment theory. Cause I read the book a couple of years ago and I'm like obsessed with it. And then yeah. you were like, yeah, sure. Like you had me on attachment theory. <laughs> yeah. And then you came on the show and then we really connected. And yeah. then I did your eight-week dating program. Yeah. And um, it was like, it was just honestly just so, like every time I think about that time, like I felt like I was a little bit in like a camp, you know, like adult mm-hmm. camp. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a special program. And 
there was so much growing and really yeah. getting uh, like vulnerable with yourself. And there were so many things I learned. And one of the things that we worked on a lot was kind of like navigating the beginning stages of a relationship and how to take that into the further stages of a relationship. Yes. So I wanted to talk to you today about kind of in the beginning stages, that kind of pacing part of learning how to set boundaries, learning what your boundaries are, Mm. and then navigate into, okay, well then what happens when there's conflict? Um, So I don't know if you could maybe just talk to us a little bit about like what, what are boundaries that we should have in the mm-hmm. beginning stages. Yeah. So I want to just kind of start by saying that people get this wrong a lot when it comes to the early stages. You, They kind of think like, oh, I'm just going to play it cool and like it's brand new and like I'll just go with the flow, et cetera. But the early stages of dating are so important. You're basically building your relationship culture, right? Every relationship has a culture the norms, the expectations, how we communicate, how we express love. And in the beginning, you're building that culture and molding it. So you're kind of setting the stage for the rest of the relationship. Mm. So no pressure, but the early early stages are kind of a big deal. It's Mm. really important. So how you show up really matters, right? And you talked about okay, you need to be able to set boundaries. And anytime you're setting boundaries, anytime you're expressing your needs, you're gathering data. You're seeing how that person responds, Mm. right? And it's a really great way to know, do I want to be in this relationship based on how is this person responding to me? But if you don't show up and you don't do those things, and then all of a sudden you're a year in and you have a really important boundary and the person freaks out, like, okay, you didn't gather that data. You know, you didn't look at it early on. So Mm. I'm so glad we're talking about this. It's incredibly important. Yeah. So what is, can you just kind of, what is a boundary? Yeah. It's a really great question. And boundaries can be first off with ourselves, right? We have to be clear on what are my boundaries. Um, You know, there there can be boundaries that are limits and and boundaries that are needs. So it's any time, though, that you're able to make it clear what what you need, Mm. right? Um, You know, I think there's obviously ones around intimacy, there's ones around communication. There's there's boundaries around time and, and pacing. Obviously, we talk about mm-hmm. pacing in the relationship, your pacing boundaries of the mm-hmm. investment. How much time are you spending early on? But boundary, it's like there are so many. And mm-hmm. and sometimes here's what I want to say is most of us haven't learned how to tune into ourselves to even know what our boundaries are. Yeah. Jared got excited about that. <laughs> that was exactly the question I was going to ask you because I think, you know, because you mentioned self-worth earlier and a lot of times yeah. it's like how do we even know well, like are there keys we can tune into of if our boundaries aren't being met in a relationship or 
-hmm. How do we kind of do the work ourselves before we start to be able to be, have that awareness to even then express them? Yeah. You're taking dating coaching. (laughs) Yeah. Come to the program, right? Like, you know, I think in the first half of it, we're really focused on, on you, on your relationship with yourself. Right. Um, Maybe at some point you learned that your needs weren't important or that you couldn't set boundaries or that if you did, the person would pull away. Maybe with Mm -hmm. a parent, if you set a boundary, you were punished for that. So all of us have these beliefs about relationships that are oftentimes sabotaging how we show up. So Mm -hmm. until you've gotten clear about, well, hey, what are the beliefs about myself? And then what are the beliefs I have about relationships, right? Like until you've identified all that, you can't really show up in the relationship that you really want. Maybe it'll Mm -hmm. be an okay relationship, but Mm -hmm. you haven't identified like what do you actually really want and deserve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what if you, okay, let's say you've done all the work and- I mean, obviously nobody's perfect. <laughs> I was gonna say no one's done all the work. It never <laughs> ends. All it never of ends. the work. The work is complete. So, so you're 98 <laughs> years old. You've done all the work. <laughs> I mean, at that point, you don't care anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, but okay, um, you've done you've done quite a bit of work. You've done a grown lot of a lot. work. And okay. you're really good at expressing what your needs are. Like, let's say um it's hey, listen, when we get in an argument at the end of the argument to really feel like connected to you, I need some reassurance, you know, like let's say that's a need or whatever. What if, what if you're, you know, in those early stages again, what if you're with someone that, that doesn't respect that or does, is that something that can grow or is it kind of like, Mm. but you, do you see what I'm saying is like, you know, because I know Okay, I'm going to, well, <laughs> I want to be careful how I say this, but, you know, Jared and I have done a lot of work on ourselves and we're yeah. very introspective. And yeah. I know in the past I've been dating guys or been with partners and I don't know if you've gotten the same thing, but I've gotten the critique that I act like I'm talking, like I'm too clinical. Mm-hmm. When I'm, you know, trying to express my needs or whatever. So what it like, where do the boundaries go with that? It, like how much compassion is there for that person that they can maybe grow in that? And like you want, I mean, yeah. do you understand what I'm saying? Am I making I any hear, sense? Yeah, yeah, you're making a lot of sense. So anytime we're in a new relationship, we're having to express our needs. We're having to, you know, be able to show up with who who we really are and what we really need, right? And based on how that person responds, that's information. So so let's say you say to someone you're dating, hey, after conflict, I really need repair. I really need something that helps me feel reassured and that we have a secure attachment. You know, maybe you don't say it exactly like that. And you're like, yeah, I, I need <laughs> I, after a conflict, I really need a hug. You know, you put it in their language. Um, and if they say, I hear you and I don't feel like I can do that. That's not something I want to do. 
you get to think about two things. You get to say, okay, so that's where they're at. I'm taking note. That's their capacity. And then how do the other thing is, how do I feel about it? Is there a way that I could get that met another way or I could ask for something else? Mm -hmm. So you ask both and then you have to make a decision, right? You gather enough data and then you have to decide, is this the kind of relationship culture that I want long-term? Does this meet my needs well enough? Because as we all know, romantic relationships will not meet all your needs. That is not possible. Mm -hmm. But does it meet my needs well enough in the way that I want my partner to meet my needs? Hmm. And it's either yes or no, but you don't know right away. You have to kind of gather hmm. some data on that. Is that helpful? Yes. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I do. So, <laughs> well, along the same line. So in these initial stages of a relationship, right, as you're gathering data, like one of the things you said earlier, Dr. Morgan, was, you know, to those, the importance of those initial stages is setting the culture. And one example you used was someone like playing it cool, right? And that makes perfect sense because I think a lot of people want to sort of like, oh, I'm not going to sort of show up with all my needs right now and scare the person away, right? Mm -hmm. What about the opposite where, uh, you know- You vomit all your needs? Not not, not really vomit, but you're so excited that Mm -hmm. you kind of- you know, like, like, I think that can happen to a lot of people at the beginning of relationships. You're so excited. Yeah. You're not sort of setting the space you need for your yeah. separateness. Like you want, like there, it just feels natural. Like kind of what you say about, we use this analogy all the time. Like, are you in the same place in the pool? So yeah. what if you're in the same place in the, is that what you're saying? Like no. you're in, the, oh, I never think mind. Dr. Morgan understands. <laughs> I think I got it. Yeah. I mean, so you're you're talking about like you're really excited about this person and you feel like you're investing and you want to express it and you want to tell them like, hey, I really, really like you. And, you know, is that right? Is that what you're talking about? Or, or like just be, that excitement at the beginning is like you're together every day and what yeah, and, you yeah. know, ways that aren't really sustainable. Yeah. So then how do you sort of not set a culture where yeah. it's then going to be overwhelming for probably both of you? You right. Know. So so obviously attachment theory comes into this, right? Because you're describing someone, maybe they are securely attached, but they at least have anxious attachment tendencies, if not fully anxious attached. Because if you're doing that early on, um you're you're prioritizing the relationship above other needs, right? Like you you are hopefully employed or have, you know, <laughs> um, other relationships like you know you so so you're taking your other needs and then you're kind of just putting your energy into this relationship mm-hmm. if you're not careful you're putting this person on a pedestal right um here's the thing and, and Leanna's heard me say this many times um when we are vulnerable we want it to be reciprocal and gradual over time mm-hmm. right And another metaphor I have for this is the intimacy onion, right? Like you have to be able to slowly peel off the layers instead of doing it all at once. You don't want to squeeze a six-year relationship into a two-week period. (laughs) 
You know, we've all been there, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's exhausting. That's not sustainable. The way that you ideally want to build it is slowly with that reciprocal vulnerability over time. And, And here's the thing. Obviously, enjoy the relationship, enjoy those beginning stages, but be able to communicate about the boundaries. And you almost have to override that desire for the instant feeling of you know connection and say, well, hey, I do want this to be a long-term relationship. How can I set some boundaries? Right? Mm-hmm. And then agree together on what that looks like. Make it a shared conversation and explain why. Like, hey, I really like you. And because I like you, I do want to take it slow and getting to know each other. And for me, that means we hang out twice a week or three times a week instead of every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And and I think what's hard is like, I think most of us learn that by doing it the other way. Yes. And then feeling like really hurt or like overwhelmed, like, well, well, you know, at some point, you're just completely overwhelmed. And, and but yes. I, I think that's great advice to sort of try to recognize it, tune into it, and then yep. tap the brakes and have that conversation. Yeah, exactly. There's a really loud plane going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it's really, I would close the door, but my dog, so Olive had surgery again yeah. on Tuesday. Oh so um, she's doing okay, but she's, she's playing outside in her little cage. And so oh. I'm, I wanted to, she doesn't like it when I close the door because she feels, you know, dis- distant. Well, that's like her she, needs. She has anxious attachment style. <laughs> Don't they say dogs resemble their own? Yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, Okay. So let's say you the you've paced the relationship well or okay. or the relationship has sustained. You know like I I've been open, you know, with <clears throat> my current relationship. I was secure and then I felt anxious and then I was a little avoidant and I pulled back and I kind of was like, "Okay, hold on. I got to set some boundaries." Mm-hmm. And then I felt secure again and like ready to move forward. And of course that's like mm-hmm. hard for your partner, you know, um, right. like you said, like that anxious, that anxious avoidant attachment style can be really confusing for yep. someone. Mm-hmm. So, but let's say you make it through that <laughs> and you're in a relationship now, maybe, you know, it's still early on, or maybe even just a long-term relationship. You yeah. know, I think conflict exists in every relationship and, Yes. I personally feel like, and the only reason I feel like this is because I feel like I've never actually seen it done well. Mm-hmm. But to me, conflict means anxiety, fear, um, wanting to get out of the relationship, the relationship threatened. And mm-hmm. I, you know, like yelling, screaming, cussing, throwing things like that oh, yeah. is what, that is what I see in relationships as conflict. Yeah. And so like, how do you even, how, what, how do you get started with that? Like, how do you create? This is, oh, I love this topic. Sorry. I'm, I. No, that's okay. Go ahead. I, I'm losing my oh, words. Take over, no, please. no, no. I was thinking about, I was having this um, memory the other day of being four years old 
And when my parents used to fight, um, my mom would get in the car and she would drive away and she would threaten that she was never coming back. Wow. And as a four-year-old, that was what I had mm-hmm. in my head about conflict, that it meant mm-hmm. potential abandonment. Um, and I carry that with me for a long time in my relationships. So all of us have those beliefs about conflict and they come from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of us, they're developed even before we're fully conscious. Um, so what you need to be able to do is first look at all your beliefs about conflict and mm-hmm. let those go. Because when I meet with a couple and they've been together for 20 years and they tell me they never fight, I'm really worried about the relationship. Mm-hmm. Conflict happens with closeness, right? Conflict is part of being close. It's healthy, it's normal. And if you don't have any conflict, you don't have closeness. You don't have intimacy. Mm. Mm -hmm. So you need to start to reframe how you think about conflict. And also think about it as an opportunity to grow as a couple. When you Mm. work through conflict, you become stronger as a couple. Mm. So it's this wonderful growth opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, And many people, of course, don't see it that way. They have, you know, all the negative associations with it. So how do you do that healthily? Yeah. Like how, how do so how, you manage conflict in a healthy way? Yeah. So Leanna, you know that I teach assertive communication and I teach dialogue in the program. And honestly, dialogue has probably been the number one thing that I've seen work for couples. And it's learning how to communicate where both people can actually hear one another and actually ask for what they need. Hmm. Um, And most of us never learned how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's learning how to have communication where you can feel heard, your partner can feel heard, and you can move forward in a constructive way. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So can you give us like an example of what that would look like? Like let's say... Jared, okay, Jared and I are fighting. want to be a couple. Okay, I love it. Um, Jared, I, okay, so I'm mad at Jared. Okay. (laughs) Because because he, actually, we'll go back to a situation back in, like, January. Okay. I was, I was actually mad at Jared because I felt like he wasn't, oh, no, 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 it wouldn't be January. It would have been. March. March March-ish, Yeah. Mm I felt like he was saying he wanted to be a part of the podcast, but was like one foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like the support from like, um, not necessarily a partner because you're, you know, like I do. No, most- we're podcast yeah, partners. Yeah, we're pod- podcast partners. Yeah. yeah. And I just didn't feel that that friendship support. Yeah. And I felt like I, like I wasn't getting enough. Like it wasn't just about time. It was like emotional energy. Mm-hmm. Time and, and investment. Yeah. And like, investment. Yeah. yeah like. Okay. So, how would you talk us through? Um, and we did work that out, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> but how would you, if we were like a couple in your office, what would you tell us to say to each other? So, first off, with dialogue, and I actually do this over Zoom, it's really fascinating. Um, I would have you face each other and you would look at one another. And one of you would yeah. be, 
So hypothetically, uh-huh. um, one of you would do the invitation. I'd say, okay, one of you is going to have the invitation because that's another thing people miss. They don't ask their partner, hey, are you available for a conversation right now? Because there's always times where it's not the best time to dialogue, yeah. right? So the invitation. Mm-hmm. And then, Leanna, you know this, but I'll tell everybody. So you would have one person who's in the sender role, and they're the one who is saying, you know, I felt this way when this happened. And you have one person who's in the receiver role, and the receiver's only job is to make sure that the sender felt heard. That's their only job. So they are validating, they're repeating back. They're not getting defensive. They're not, you know, saying how they feel. They are just validating what they hear. And then you switch, mm-hmm. right? And you go back and forth. Um, it, when you say, like, how do, how do you get to a point where you don't feel defensive? Like, is there, do you ever say you, is it always like, I felt this way when this happened or I felt this way when you did this? Mm-hmm. Do, are, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. is there a way, like, how do oh, yeah. you, you say you in that way, but you're leading with the, Hey, this was my experience. I felt this way when you did this thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But how, how do you, like, what advice do you have for us? Cause it's so hard not to feel defensive when we're thinking, well, you did this thing though. So two things, I mean, and I, I feel like this is not sad enough. I'm just going to say you have to be genuinely curious about your partner's experience. You know, the moment that we think we know what's going on with our partner, our relationship is in trouble. Be mm-hmm. genuinely curious about what their actual experience is and set aside your experience, you know, knowing that you will get your turn. You will get to be the sender, <laughs> right? Yeah. But in that moment, in the dialogue, when you are the receiver, all you're doing is being as curious as you can be about what your partner went through. Mm-hmm. If people could learn to do this, oh my God, I mean... Yeah, it's it's this has changed so many couples' lives that I've worked with over mm. and over. So I Dr. Morgan, I did a little um I've done a good bit of like reading and stuff on nonviolent communication, like yeah. the Marshall Rosenberg stuff, yes. right? And, yes, yes, yes. And what I love about that is it talks about really like talking about feelings and then needs and then yep. strategies yep. and what you throw out is all the sort of like analysis and interpretations of exactly. the other because so many times mm-hmm. that's what we're saying to the other person of mm-hmm. like, well, you clearly have no respect for me or mm-hmm. whatever. Right? And that's not, that's not a behavior that they did. Mm-hmm. That's Hit not your interpretation like, of it. Yeah. Yes. Right. And one of the things yeah. I love that was on your Instagram recently, Dr. Morgan was you, sometimes you might need to express some of that and using this phrase of like, well, the story I'm telling myself about, yeah. about this is, you know, that, that you don't yeah. have for me or whatever. Yeah. You, you don't, the story I'm telling myself is, you know, you're not doing the dishes because you don't care about me and you want out of this marriage. I have heard those sentences in therapy and it's powerful, right? Like her, you know, the partner's not doing the dishes and the story she's telling herself is you want out of this marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's powerful. Yeah. And what would be 
Well, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> She's censoring <laughs> herself. <laughs> so I, can I can I take a, a sudden little side jaunt? Yeah, sure. So I, I wondered, Dr. Warren, if we could talk about um, setting boundaries with family. Because I think this is oh, one yeah. of the, you know, we talked about one of the places we first learn about boundaries. And I'll never forget being in my early 20s. And I love my dad, but he can be a huge pain in the ass. And he can be kind of a baby. And I was in grad school at the time. And my dad is like, like, hey, I need you to come to my house, which was a good ways away at this point, this weekend, and help me because I'm getting this like dining set delivered or whatever. And I'm like, I can't, I have to work. And he starts yelling at me and like, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then, and then hangs up on me. And I'm like, so agitated. I call my sister. And I'm like, can you help dad? And she's like, no. And I'm like, well, he did this and blah, blah, blah. And I can't help because I have to work and like, whatever. And she's like, I just hang up on him when he gets like that. And I was like, what? Like, that's allowed? You know, and, and for, for me, it was like this moment that I think sometimes with boundaries, there's two pieces to it. There's like communicating to the other person and then there's managing yeah. our internal reaction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know. Like what? Like, so, cause you talked a little bit about your experience in your family when you were yeah. younger, like. Has that been a thing with you? Well, this is so, I mean, this topic is, there's so much we can say about this. Um, I will say this, that at every person's, at, at one point in every person's life, you get to redefine your relationships with your family members if you want mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. right? When we're children, we depend on our parents for survival. They feed us, they clothe us. You know, we have to, what whatever boundaries they have, whatever norms they have, however emotions are expressed, we have to go along with it because we depend on them for survival. But as adults, we get to individuate and we get to determine, hey, what are my boundaries? How do I want to communicate? How do I want to express anger and love and all the emotions, right? We get to determine that for ourselves. So as an adult, you get that really unique opportunity to redefine your familial relationships. And here's the thing. We all get to show up, be assertive, have boundaries. And sometimes it goes well and the relationship grows and it deepens and you feel like you have a new connection. And sometimes it goes poorly. And instead of deepening the relationship, you have distance right? But it's a wonderful thing as an adult to give yourself that opportunity to redefine the relationship and see what happens. So good for you, Jared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I really appreciate you talking about how it doesn't go well, because I was working with a student recently who, you know, and I, I see this in a lot of students where they start to get healthy, and they start to take those steps. And there's so much dysfunction or the parent yep. figure has so much of their own stuff that they're not able to be there. Yep. And it's tremendously painful for yeah. you know, young at this phase. Sometimes your parents aren't going to meet you where you're at in your growth. And sometimes yeah. we have to love them from a distance. And it can happen that way. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Like my, my experience with that is, and I, and I'm correlating it to, now I'm kind of seeing this, but 
So my father is um, a very, very great man, but he does have some anger issues. And I was the one that got yelled at quite a bit because I'm the loud, opinionated mm. one. And we're, we're very similar, so we butt heads a lot. And I remember for the first, like, 12 years of my life, I just let it happen. And then I'd go in my room and cry or I feel sad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I turned like teenager, I was like, uh-uh, I'm talking back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but really it was just this bravado that was mm-hmm. covering up the pain that I really felt. The pain you felt, yeah. And that has gone into my relationships of when like of me needing to put up this wall so that I don't feel that pain that I felt. But really, like when it comes down to it at the end of like any fight that I was with with anyone, I'd just be in tears. Right. You know, because that's really what it is. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. You learn to like put on the boxing gloves and prepare for battle. But mm-hmm. below all that is your real emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does, I'm curious, like, what does conflict look like in a secure relationship versus conflict in an anxious avoidant relationship? Ooh, I can speak to both of those. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you it's a lot better in a secure relationship. <laughs> because I, th- I also think about this when you're in an anxious avoidant dynamic, you really do kind of feel worried about expressing what your needs are or if you had an issue with something because if especially if you're the anxious person right you're you're worried that by doing that you'll push that person away mm-hmm. so this is where secure attachment is so important is we realize well I have to express where I'm at I have to express what my needs are or how I felt because I want a partner who can meet me there, right? And I'm deserving of that. When I'm secure, mm-hmm. I know I'm deserving of that. And I expect it of the other person that they're going to show up and have that conversation with me. So in a, in a secure relationship, when there's conflict, of course, there's still going to be times that are uncomfortable. Of course, you're still going to feel things. But the difference is, is you feel heard by your partner and you understand that there's space for conflict. And you also repair quickly. You repair quickly. You move mm-hmm. through it. In an anxious avoidant dynamic, um, <laughs> so, I mean, you likely are not going to repair as quickly. Um, and it might feel like the conflict kind of goes on and on. And I think that you might, if, if you're the anxiously attached person, you might kind of feel like it's just you. Like Mm. it's just you in the conversation and I don't even really know where my partner is at. So conflict might feel kind of lonely. So what, like, is there a normal amount of conflict that should happen in a relationship? Like, it's a good question. Like once a week, once a month, (laughs) once a month. This is like, how often should you be having sex? It's like also, how often should we be fighting? Like that's, we'll, we'll, we'll make a checklist for both. (laughs) Did we fight this week? Did we have sex? Like okay. what would be a red what would be a red flag? Well, so my my gut response to this is hey, you know, you want to be getting more pleasure out of a relationship than than conflict. So 
the the ratio absolutely would need to be more pleasure than conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The and then the other thing I'm realizing is a lot of times relationships have seasons. We have seasons where mm-hmm. there's not a lot of conflict, where everything's flowing really well, we're communicating well, and then there are seasons where you know, my partner lost their job or their father passed away or, you know, and maybe there's just more tension overall. Um, so, so it's not fair to say like, well, no, once a week is too much. It really depends on where's the, what's the season of the relationship. Yeah. Mm. I think, I think I have one more question but do you have any other yeah. questions? You have so many questions. Not like a ton, <laughs> but so I, I wonder, Dr. Morgan, what do you say to a person who's like, look, I'm low maintenance. Um, I, you know, or like sometimes I don't even really know what my needs are or what my boundaries are. Or I don't really think I have like needs or boundaries. I'm just kind of a low maintenance go with the flow person. Mm. <laughs> if I'm dating them, what would I say? <laughs> if I'm coaching them. Um, so no. So if that's your partner, you know, I would say you want to encourage them to listen to themselves, to listen to, you know, things as they come up. So invite them to get curious about it and then just make sure that they know that you want to hear what their needs are. Mm-hmm. And over time, if that doesn't change and you really just feel like, well, I have no idea where you're at, it's going to lead to some difficult conversations, right? Of mm-hmm. saying like, hey, I I need more communication from you. I can't read your mind, right? Um, but I think, yeah, if, if that's happening in the beginning, just making it clear, I am here for you when you do realize what you need. Mm. <laughs> encouragement, encouragement. And modeling, you model it, you express your Mm -hmm. needs, you show up, you model it, and hopefully they'll meet you there. Mm -hmm. And then what, what would you, because I think this is, you know, the way I said it was a little like exaggerated or whatever, but it is Mm -hmm. common in a relationship to have the one person that's a little more distant, that's a little more withholding, you know? So like if, if, if you're in this situation where you're, you're needing more from them. Like that's what's either making you not feel secure in the relationship or Mm -hmm. whatever, because there's such a push pull dynamic that can happen. How do you sort of manage that without then like overwhelming them? You know? Cause I think that's why a lot of people hesitate to express their needs to their partners. Oh, I'm so glad you asked this. I've been thinking about this a lot. So this leads me to talk about the, dependency paradox is what I'm going to call it. So, or you, you could think of it as the reassurance paradox, right? Of when you can ask for reassurance and knowing that, okay, the relationship is good and you get that reassurance, then you need it less and less and less, right? Mm. So the securely attached person can ask for what they need and hopefully the person meets it. And then you need less reassurance because, okay, you know, the relationship is good. Um, so I would say that the anxious attached person, they really struggle because they never want to express what they need. They don't want to express their feelings, but if they would just do it early on, 
and do it enough and then get what they need, they would calm way down. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? I know this is like a yeah. little, okay, mm-hmm. we're all attachment theory nerds here. So yes, no. And I get that because that's how I feel when I, if I ask, and I'm good now at asking for what I need. Yes. I just ask for it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, is the more that it's reassured though, the less and less that you have to ask. And then of course, I you know teach this in the program. It's also about how can you meet your own needs, right? If we have anxious mm-hmm. attachment, how can we also learn to self-soothe or to get some needs met in other ways too? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're anxiously attached, you need someone who's going to be willing to reassure you. And in the beginning, they're going to have to do a little bit more than, mm. than they might with somebody who's securely attached. Mm. But the benefit is they're going to have someone who's really devoted to them, really caring, really in tune. It's just, can you work through those early stages um, and make sure that they feel reassured enough? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think my last, so uh, first of all, this is all amazing. You're amazing. We talk about you all the time on the show. Oh, we constantly shout you out. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure my listeners like, oh yeah, Dr. Morgan at Dr. Morgan Coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flattered, honestly. Thank you. Of course. Um, so I guess my next question is, what are steps for just the regular couple that doesn't hasn't done the therapy? Right. And, you know, like this isn't just, you don't just read a book and be like, okay, let's sit down and let's have this first, you know, dialogue conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that like, let's say I was in a relationship and I said to my partner, Hey, you know, can I set a time to talk with you? And they're like, what, what the fuck? Like, just talk to me. What are you doing? You know? Or I'm like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, I really feel this way. And, you know, I think like, how does a couple go to get to that point? Does that make sense? Like, it doesn't, it seems so non-organic. Mm. Like, you have to practice it. So how do people practice it if they're not in couples counseling right. or if they're not reading the books about it? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think one thing to think about is if you're in a successful relationship. It can also kind of be like a business in terms of if you're running a business, you're checking in about how things are going, right? You're not just like, okay, I guess there was 2020. Let's check in now. No, you check in weekly, you check in quarterly, you know, the strengths, you know, the things that aren't going well. So any successful relationship has space for those Mm check-ins. Um, And it doesn't have to be weird and it doesn't have to be conflict every time. It's literally space where you are connecting on a deeper level and you're checking in about how things are going. So Mm. I had a couple once that was like, okay, Taco Tuesday, we check in about where things are at, you know? Mm. And here's the thing. There's always going to be one person who is modeling this or leading the way and let's, I mean, it's not always the the woman, but a lot of times it is. I'm going to say that. There's also mm-hmm. some really great emotionally intelligent men. Hello, Jared. 
Um, oh, you know, but most but most so, men aren't emotionally. <laughs> I'm also a mess, Doctor Martin. Don't don't be fooled. I don't want to say most, but it, I think. But here's the thing: society has made them that way. We have said we have put them in that role. So, yeah. but here's the thing: even if you are the woman and you're having to model, like, hey, in our relationship culture, I want to know what's going on. I want to know what are we doing well. What do we need to work on? Even if it is you modeling. You want to give the man the opportunity to show up and be an adult in the relationship, and you're assuming that they want to grow in their emotional intelligence. Give them that opportunity. As women, sometimes we steal that opportunity from them. We think, oh, they can't show up. They're not going to have this conversation. They're going to avoid it. We have to give them the opportunity, right? So, uh, oh, I love so that yeah. So much. Yeah. Is there, uh, sorry, I know that gave me one more question. Is there ever like a can you bring up something that happened like a few weeks ago? Like, is there ever like, like when is it time to just be like, eh, maybe I shouldn't bring that up because it's been so long. If you have reflected on it yourself and you've kind of processed it yourself and you've tried to let it go and you're still thinking about it, it would make sense to bring it up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it was a year ago, it doesn't matter. If you're thinking about it and it's taking up space in your brain, share that with your partner. Okay. Hmm. (sighs) And then the ideal thing, right, is like you get the like immediate reassurance of like, yeah, like like that's no big deal. You know, like whatever. Or you're like, hey, the story I was telling myself was this. And they're like, whoa, it was that? That was absolutely not what was going on, right? So you you, you know, step into reality, right? Reality is a good place to hang out in relationships. I, I just thought of one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, really, really quick. I know because I know fine, you're, no, on a, fine, you're on a time. No, right? no, I'm okay. Oh, I'm okay. Yeah. You talked a little bit about repair. Like, are yeah. there, are there, and someone else, I feel like someone else I was listening to a podcast was talking about how, you know how there's love languages, there's also um, conflict languages or Mm, like styles mm, mm, no like how how you need to feel loved after a conflict Mm, mm -hmm. like what are the different things that couples can do to really repair because sometimes you're so emotionally raw that it's like well what how do you then go forward with a yeah this is a really good question and it definitely is so individual, right? We all have ways that are going to help us feel better, that are going to help us move towards security. The The question is, okay, how can we repair and heal and move towards secure attachment again and, and let go of this conflict? Uh, mm-hmm. But it's different for each one of us. For someone, it might be, you know, physical touch, for another person, it might be quality time. We go on this, you know, long walk together. We all have different needs, but here's the thing: most people don't stop to even think about what theirs are. So you're way mm. ahead of the game if you're even reflecting on what mm. do I need for repair, and then asking for it. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. It's like. I, I mean, I feel like you're my friend. <laughs> you know, with, yeah, with coaching clients, it does end up being like that, which yeah. is why I love coaching. Yeah. Yeah. But I also appreciate your time and you yeah. giving me 
listeners, this knowledge. Um, so plug yourself so my listeners can go find you everywhere. Yeah. And I wanted to actually share an announcement that I, I don't know if I've shared it anywhere else. But I'm just starting Ooh, to share yeah. the Asian <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how much I love attachment theory, and we all know the book Attached, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> did you write a book? I am writing a book about attachment <gasps> theory. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Stop. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. When so, will it be out? So. I'm hoping by January. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's going to be attachment theory, but it's going to be fun. And Mm. it'll, it'll be basically about, you know, understanding yourself and self-worth and then using attachment theory so that you can be successful in dating and everything that you need to go do that. So I'm excited about it. I am so excited for you and I'm excited to read it. And we will yeah. definitely promote it on the show for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. So that's Aww. your exclusive news. I don't think Yay! I've shared it anywhere else. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Okay. And then to, you know, come hang out with me. I am on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching and also the podcast Let's Get Vulnerable um, anywhere podcasts are aired. So those are the best Yay! places to find me. Yeah. Well, thank you again. We really appreciate you. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. This flew by. I really enjoyed it. I know. It's nice so Thank you. Of course. Of course. Of course. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.